Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Criterion critics are back with another review from a film from our ever-expanding Criterion libraries. I'm Patrick. I'm Lori. And this month we're reviewing number 803 of the Criterion release schedule, The Manchurian Candidate from 1962. But before we get into our review of that Criterion disc, first let's look back at some of the films that were released on the Criterion back in June and July of last year, 2022. Uh, first, on June 7th, saw the release of 1951's The Tales of Hoffman. Uh, this Powell and Pressburger film tells the story of a melancholy poet who reflects on three women he loved and lost in a past, a mechanical performing doll, a Venetian courtesan, and the consumptive daughter of a celebrated composer, previously released onto DVD, being released onto Blu-ray for the first time. On June 14th, Farewell Amour uh, from 2020, was released on Blu-ray for the first time. Uh, reunited after 17 years, an Angolan immigrant is joined in the U.S. by his wife and daughter. Now strangers sharing a one-bedroom apartment, they discover a shared love of dance that may help them overcome the distance between them. On June 21st, saw the release of 1971's Shaft onto Blu-ray and 4K. This classic 70s action thriller stars Richard Roundtree and tells the story of a cool black private eye, John Shaft, who is hired by a crime lord to find and retrieve his kidnapped daughter. Also on June 21st, saw the release of 1987's Rouge. This foreign film tells the story of Fleur, who is a blue angel in one of Hong Kong's flower houses, bordellos and nightclubs in the 1930s. A detached and beautiful performer, she falls in love with the with 12th Master Chan, heir to a chain of pharmacies. They agree to a suicide pact. Fifty years later, in modern Hong Kong, Fleur's ghost appears in Yoon's newspaper office, wanting to place an ad to find Chan, who never arrived in the afterlife. Yoon and his equally bewildered girlfriend, Anchor, are captivated by Fleur and her story. On June 28th of last year, saw the release of the Worst Person in the World from 2021. This Academy Award-nominated foreign film chronicles four years in the life of Julie, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love life and struggles to find her career path, leading her to take a realistic look at who she really is. Also on June 28th, saw the release of 1972's Pink Flamingos. This cult film documents notorious Baltimore criminal and underground figure Divine as she goes up against a sleazy married couple who make a passionate attempt to humiliate her and sees her tabloid given title as the filthiest person alive. 
on July 5th saw the release of The Virgin Suicides onto 4K. Uh, this film from 1999 is a romantic drama by director Sofia Coppola and stars Kirsten Dunst and Josh Hartnett. It tells the story of a group of male friends who become obsessed with five mysterious sisters who are sheltered by their strict religious parents in suburban Detroit in the mid-1970s. Previously released on Blu-ray just actually a couple years ago, first time being released on 4K. Also on July 5th, saw the release of 2017's Okja. This action-adventure film from director Bong Joon-ho tells the story of a young girl who risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, a fascinating beast named Okja. On July 12th, saw the release of 1980's Raging Bull. Director Martin Scorsese and actor Robert De Niro's iconic film that details the life of boxer Jake LaMotta, whose violence and temper led him to the top in the ring, but also destroyed his life outside of it. Raging Bull is being released for, almost forgot this, Raging Bull is being released on Blu-ray and 4K for the first time on Criterion. On July 12th, saw the re-release of 1955 Summertime. Director David Lean and actress Catherine Hepburn's a uh, film that brings to the screen the tale of an American spinster's dream of romance that finally becomes a bittersweet reality when she meets a handsome but married Italian man while vacationing in Venice. Previously released onto DVD and reviewed by Laurie and myself, uh, first time being released onto Blu-ray. On July 19th, saw the release of 2021's Drive My Car, the Academy Award-winning film that tells the tale of a renowned stage actor and director who learns to cope with his wife's unexpected passing when he receives an offer to, re- to direct a production of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima. And also on July 19th, uh, saw the release of the 4K edition of Devil in the Blue Dress, Blue Dress from 1995. Denzel Washington plays Easy Rollins, and an African-American man who is hired to find a woman and gets mixed up in a murderous political scandal. And those were the films released in June and July of 2022. So, Lori, if you have not picked one up already, which one of these would you be most likely to pick up first? Was Rouge the one about Floor and the ghost? Correct. I, I that sounded really good, and, and that the cover looks good. But also, I think I would pick up Akchu just because of... <laughs> the director? Um, yes. I definitely would pick that up just because of I've loved the other films of his that I've seen. You know, uh, Brilliant Minds Must Think Alike, because those are the first two that I gravitate to. Um, <laughs> uh, that I, uh, I, I'm very... Fa- I'd never heard of Akchu, and then I saw the cover. And I'm like, I really want to see that. <laughs> So seeing a picture of the cover and Rouge does look really fascinating to me. That's a film that I, I'd really kind of like to see. Uh, of course, uh, I've grown to the point where I love Asian cinema so much that uh, that seems to be the titles I always pick up. But I don't under downplay Summertime, which we've previously reviewed. Right. Uh, yes, I would do Summertime too. Yes. And we when we reviewed it, I crapped all over the Criterion DVD because there was basically I think there was a trailer and I think that was it. There was nothing else yeah. as far as extras. And the, I looked at this one. There are extras on this. So there's stuff that we didn't, you and I did not look at when we watched Summertime previously. Okay. Just something to think about there. And I don't own that. So I do. I still own it on DVD because I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and I may have to upgrade on it, though. Although neither one of them, none of the titles that I'm interested in are 4K. 
you know, Raging Bull I do own on Blu-ray, but I don't own it on Criterion. This is the first time it's been released on Criterion. And it's a film I would probably want, but it's not the one I'm going to rush out and buy for some reason. It's just not one I revisit very often. All right. Well, what about a title that you would like to see be get that Criterion polish, uh, Criterion review, if you will? This, this is probably my biggest struggle for doing these Criterion reviews because I think I say the same movie over and over and I can never remember it. I need to just make a list of the ones I've said. Have I said Gigi? No, you have not because I would have crapped all over that. <laughs> Gigi. All right. <laughs> You're going to do that one, that review by yourself because I'll never go back and watch that film again. But yeah. I, I, don't I know. just want to hear somebody else validate that it's not about pedophile. Okay. <laughs> I like to keep it. This is a beautiful film. Sorry. It, it is visually stunning. I will agree with yeah. you on that. And I don't dislike the music in it, although I dislike musicals. I think the music, it plays pretty well. I just don't like the fact that it pauses the story to sing a song. Uh, I it, found a review that said she was 19. I know. You've told me this on a different podcast. <laughs> and, oh, okay. And I'll, I'll still disagree with you that that's not the way they play it in the film. So. Agreed and disagree. All right. We can do that. All right. Uh, I like to keep it in line or my selections kind of in the vein of what we're viewing. I, I went with another Frank Sinatra film that uh, I think is one of his better performances. The Man with the Golden Arm from 1955. I think that would be a film I would like to see get a criterion polish and kind of a criterion review because I think that's one of his best performances of his uh, very long and distinguished, distinguished career. I've never seen that. Oh, you should go and see it. Not a happy film. Not a happy film. But let me read a summary. A junkie must face his true self to kick his drug addiction. <laughs> so guess what he plays? <laughs> uh, the, the therapist. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> he plays the true self. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into our review of this month's film, The Manchurian Candidate, a film that we reviewed back on criteria not sorry not criterion critics Mo- movie house memories a few months ago and we promised that we would do the criterion review because uh y- you were interested in doing this one and then went out and bought the the disc for this correct i did when it when you told me that they were on sale yes and so this was i think your third own criterion disc although i have a pile that i was going to give you of uh, uh, older films what i which i've upgraded to sets that have entire collections so you can have my old films um i still need to get those to you uh, so we can review those as well so uh laurie do you have the blu-ray or the dvd of manchurian candidate I have the Blu-ray. Okay. So I'm assuming your case is the same as mine. It's a strikingly red case, predominantly red. Ha ha. I wonder why it's red. Uh, With some white (laughs) bar stripes going uh, vertical in the middle of the box. A eye with the uh, kind of the center of the eye having a... uh, picture of the queen of diamonds and it kind of looks like a flag coming out of the eye where the title and the on the flag it says the manchurian candidate and then it has the actors names there Uh, on the back is a picture of senator iceland uh, and still predominantly red and then on the inside there's the the inside cover is kind of the i don't know how to describe those kind of the political you know it's like a convention, yeah. Political convention decorative. Yeah, yeah. It's you know red, white, and blue with stars. 
but it's a blue background. Those are just around the top edge. The disc itself has the Queen of Diamonds on it, and then there's a booklet that we'll talk about later that's actually a poster. So is that the same case you have? That is. All right. What did you think of the case? You know, I liked it. I think it symbolizes the film well. I mean, it didn't – until I really looked at it, it didn't stand out to me, but – but um I, I do. I think it, it represents the film well. Is I'm wondering, was this the film poster? No. I've seen the film poster. This is not it. No? Did no. it? Okay. So I'm trying to remember what the poster looks like. But Did it have Frank Sinatra and Janet Lee? I believe so. It? I believe it had uh, Frank Sinatra. I, th- I want to say there were like three, and, and this is my vague memory, and for those who can hear my baby screaming in the background, but... Uh, it's like a, a top bar where there's Frank Sinatra's head. It said Frank Sinatra, and then it had Lawrence Harvey with in, in the, another bar below it, and then a bar below that had uh, Janet Lee, and then it was like the Manchurian Candidate. That's my memory of the poster. So it's been a long time since I've seen it. The, that that theatrical poster. I, I too like the cover. I thought uh, the cover is very striking, very uh, very political with the colors they choose. Obviously, predominantly red, going with the communist theme in this. I it's I, I thought it was weird for a black and white film to have so much color on the cover, but I like it. It it's it pops and it stands out. It, it's got some artisticness to it. Is not just a recreation of the theatrical poster, and it's not such a half-ass attempt at some sort of decoration that I didn't think it uh, it matched the film at all. I I, I too liked the cover. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, conversion quality, Lori. This film was a, a an upgrade. It is a restored 4K digital transfer uh, with an uncompressed monaural soundtrack. What did you think of the picture and sound of this film when you watched it? I think the picture was definitely clearer than the last version that I watched. Yeah, I, I thought it was, it was I, I could see the upgrade. All right. So when we reviewed it for Movie Ass Memories, I watched my disc but you didn't have the Blu-ray or sorry, the Criterion disc at that time. You watched a different version. Yeah, and I can't remember. I, I think I rented it. Maybe I, I can't remember I, how I watched it. I, I watched my disc, and you didn't borrow it from me this time. So <laughs> yeah, I think I must have rented it from somewhere. But I've seen it before on television, like years ago, and I think that I remember it not being as clear. I, I, I've seen a bad version of it. I have not seen this film a lot, and I think I kind of talked about that in uh, the movie house memories podcast um i like it but it's just not one i revisit a lot and my previous viewings of it were probably on vhs or television and maybe maybe once on dvd but this is a distinctly upgraded picture very very clear uh very very crisp the sound is pretty good you know it's it's not once again, it's a film not made. It's not a bombastic, you know, a huge soundtrack type film. So it's you don't have a lot of elements where the surround sound really, you know, makes a difference. It's not a modern day film, but it, it wasn't bad. It, you know, definitely there was some good sound to it. Uh, you had some gunshots and you had, uh, you know, the, the crowds, especially, at, you know, at, at the end for the convention. Uh, that that was a a pretty a loud moment on the film, but I thought it had really really good sound. Yeah, I did too. 
All right. Well, we buy Criterions for the reason, or for one reason, and that's for the extras. So let's talk about the extras on this disc. All right. You have an audio commentary. Uh, this one by John, uh, director John Frankenheimer, uh, explains how the uh, you know uh, talks about the film by himself. Uh, this was uh, a not a a dialogue with any other person. It's just him. Ta- interjecting while watching the film and many times absolute silence while watching the film because he's not talking Uh, was recorded not for the Criterion release was recorded previously for another uh, release Uh, then you have an interview with Angela Lansbury that was recorded for the Criterion release in November uh, 2015 uh, where she talks about becoming uh, getting cast in the film and her experiences on it it's about an 11 11 minute long interview uh, video interview that is uh, then you have a video interview of director Errol, Errol Morris of the Thin Blue Line and A Brief History of Time, uh, where he discusses the social political environment in America after World War II uh, and the, uh, the ideas that kind of Frankenheimer channeled through the Manchurian Candidate. This, too, was also created exclusively for the Criterion Disc uh, in November 2015. Uh, it runs about 17 minutes long. Uh, then you have a video interview with historian and author Susan Carruthers, who discusses the origin of the term brainwashing, uh, the emergence of the Red Scare, Red, Red Scare during the 1950s, and the socio-political environment in America at the time, uh, and kind of how it, the, its presence is in the Manchurian Candidate. This, too, was also recorded exclusively for Criterion uh, in November 2015. And then you have an archival interview uh, with uh, John John Frankenheimer, the director, Frank Sinatra, and George Axelrod, where they talk about the Manchurian Candidate and key scenes in the film. Uh, This was not recorded exclusively for it. Uh, It appeared previously on an MGM release. Uh, It's about eight minutes long. Then you have the original theatrical trailer for the film. And then you have a booklet, which includes the poster that I discussed uh, that folds out and an essay by film critic on the other side, uh, film critic Howard Hampton. So those are the extras on the film. Uh, Lori, what do you think of the extras? Uh, Well, let's start. What extras do you, having looked at them, what extras do you think are missing? You know, I think that the extras are really good and really hit the areas that I like to see. The only thing that I thought lacked somewhat was about the projection of the film. Um, The commentary by Frankenheimer touched upon a lot of stuff, but I really would have liked to have seen something that was put together about the production, about uh, just some of the things that were mentioned. I would have liked to have seen to seen more about that. And I also was fascinated by the history of brainwashing and stuff. And a lot of stuff was touched upon, but I would have liked to have seen more about that and, and maybe more about the source novel. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I have to say I was impressed that they hit th- what I would consider, well, I guess three of the five corners of this film, pretty much three of the four corners. They got the director. They got Frank Sinatra. And that's that's a hard get <laughs> that that they included something from him on it. Not a lot, just an old interview from the 1970s. But it was good. But it was good. 
Uh, so I was glad that was there. I was actually, I didn't, I hadn't looked at the box when I started watching the extras and I just presumed there would be nothing from Sinatra. Uh, and so when I, when he appeared on screen, you know, or when his, his extra came on, uh, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. I was very glad they got Angela Lansbury. I really wish they would have had something from Lawrence Harvey. And I know he died in like the early seventies, 72, 73. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen some interview that may have been may have been coincided with the release of this film, and I, I thought that would have been uh, that was an, an important extra, maybe a little bit Janet Lee, you know, because you know she had a part in this, but I think her part was so unimportant <laughs> to the storyline in the film that I don't truly miss not getting her weighing in on it. I, but they brought up some interesting things about her character that I would have liked to have heard her take on it. Yeah, and no, I I get that, but I think it's yeah, I think Frankenheimer kind of captures it best by discussing that. Uh, now, I didn't really care for the uh, the brainwashing thing uh, that you that you said you would like to have seen more of because I didn't really think it was that it it was it didn't really go into the film. I would have liked to have heard more about the sudden desire to shelve this film because this film got shelved for decades until yeah. the 80s and obviously Sinatra after Kennedy was killed and there was an assassination attempt in this film you know it was there was too much um, uh, he was too much emotionally raw and they decided just to put it away but I would I would have liked to have seen yeah. kind of like when it finally came out what the pent-up demand for it or some discussion of it. I think that would have been an interesting topic to cover in a Criterion release I, because that's that's my first experience learning anything about this film. I remember when it got released on VHS, I want to say in the late 80s for the first time. Yeah. All right. What about the extras we do have as far as quality and quantity, uh, Lori? What, how pleased were you with the extras that we we did have? It's funny because I love a lot of extras, but when I have to squeeze it in for a review, <laughs> like when there's not too many. So for squeezing in a review, it was perfect. But I really liked the the extras. I thought the brainwashing thing was interesting because it's so crucial to the plot. I, I don't know. I just thought that was fascinating. I really loved the interview with Angela Lansbury. Um, I just loved hearing her talk and hearing her stories but my favorite was probably the interview with with Sinatra and that just fascinated me that that President Kennedy um advocated for this film yeah that was that was amazing so I I I would have liked to have heard more about the history and and you know I mean this was the height of the Cold War we're talking this was filmed I mean during the Cuban Missile Crisis right yes so I mean that's just just fascinating to me, and and the uh, references to McCarthyism and and the the idea that we are our worst enemy, our own worst enemy, is just it's I think it's just it's just fascinating. How about you? I'm very pleased with what we do have. As I said, overwhelmingly pleasantly surprised when I saw Sinatra. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that's. That's that's an important aspect to me to this disc to hear what he had to say about this because he's so crucial to this film being made, 
you know, yeah. he helped help shepherd this into not only development, but getting, you know, getting financing and ultimately getting released. And I always love to hear the stories about, you know, behind the scenes of, you know, one take Sinatra mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, you know, he was he I think he was overly criticized that, you know, I think Frankenheimer in his commentary uh, said that, you know, he, people say, you know, he only does one take and it's and if he only does one take because he honestly is the best on the first take. And then he starts to lose something on that. And he described the scene that yeah. did not work where he's breaking uh, Lawrence Harvey from the kind of the the programming with mm-hmm. the cards and that the his the first take is out of focus. <laughs> and but it worked so well. It, it did. I how he said. Some people said what a genius he was for doing that. Yeah. You know, happy accidents, if you will. The, yeah. Th- that being said, this is probably one of the worst commentaries I've ever seen on a disc, on any disc. because Really? Yeah, well, because it, it's the director, but I hate one-person commentaries because they're usually so dry. Mm. There's nothing, there's no sounding board to kind of da- uh, bounce them off of. And he pauses mm. for long stretches of time where there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing going on, you know, or like he. But I he, thought what he said was interesting. When he did, when he did speak, it was interesting. True. But it, it, w- it would have been nice to have someone else there to also possibly put some. Not that they had to actually even be, because I've seen this happen in commentaries, it, to have two people in the same room talking. That's ideal. But you could have had a film a historian also when there's these moments of quiet interject and throw out some interesting facts about it just so that it just gives some life to the commentary that it just that got, would have been good yeah it just got so dry is you know because he he doesn't talk constantly which on a commentary i kind of want that and mm-hmm. what he does say is good but it it's just it doesn't have any life to it because it's just by himself and i and i i was really disappointed in the commentary on this film I'd rather take that than no commentary at all. Oh, I agree with you, but I, I have, yeah. I will s- stick to my guns that on a criterion, it, you know, if you give me a disc with just a commentary, I expect that in an ordinary Blu-ray on yeah. any film I go and buy criterion, you need to do something much more than that. And, yeah. and uh, the, this was a, 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 a commentary recorded for another disc release, not this disc release. And I'm glad it's here, but, I would have liked something more to that, some more life to that commentary. I especially love when they even have more than one commentary. Correct. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once again, depends on do I love it because I, I get to hear more about the film. Yes. Do I love it when I have to watch three commentaries for a, yeah. for one of our reviews? Eh, not so much. So yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I think you've already telegraphed your punch of your favorite uh, extra on the disc. Uh, what it, Once again, was it it's the Frank Sinatra? I, I think so, just because that was the most earth shattering to me, what he shared. And and as you said, he was so integral in, integral. I can't talk so important to the this movie getting made that it was it was just interesting to hear and and like you said interviews like that with him are rare yes Uh, even back in the day they were rare you know he wasn't working promotion on this this that recording was like 10 years after the film was released when it wasn't available (laughs) when when you couldn't go to the theater and well i guess there probably were theaters still running prints of it but it, it wasn't being recirculated nearly as much as uh uh as it was in the early 60s all right 
my ex, my favorite extra. I'm going to agree with you. The the fact that Sinatra was there it was it was a it was an important extra, and I was glad that it was added to the film or sorry to the Criterion release. Uh, I do really like the Angel of Lansbury. That one was also a mm-hmm. pleasant surprise, and I was more uh, probably more surprised to see that it was a recent interview that was created for the Criterion release. So they put a little legwork in this and went and found uh, or tracked her down and got her to give uh, some insight into her experience. Fairly short. Uh, not as short as the Frank Sinatra one, and Frank Sinatra sharing the stage with two other people, but uh, it's it still was a pretty good interview, and I'm glad it was there. All right, Laurie, getting to the ultimate question we have, uh, is the film worthy of a Criterion edition, and would you recommend picking it up? Yes and yes. I, I highly recommend picking it up. I think I think what it has is, is worthwhile, and it's a great film. All right. When we reviewed this for Movie House Memories, this was your selection, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's something I remember seeing when I was a kid, and, and it just really struck me. And, and I just and my mom also had the book, and I just thought it was uh, it became one of my favorite movies. It's not something I like. You said I watched a lot, but if it was on, I would I would watch it. Uh, I, I will agree with you uh, that it is a film that should get the Criterion Polish, and obviously it did. I think it's worthy of it. As far as recommending picking it up, yeah. It, I'll be honest with you, it's a little close because the extras are pretty scant. It does, you know, The commentary is by far the longest of those, and you can probably watch the remaining extras within an hour. Uh, but they're good extras, and you can't find them on other releases of the Manchurian Candidate. So I do think it was worthy. I, I too picked this up when it was uh, half off at Barnes and Noble. So about for about 20 bucks. So it was well worth the investment at the time because I did not already own uh, the Manchurian Candidate. So yeah, uh, I, I would recommend picking up this film. I thought it was a good Criterion release. All right. Well, that does it for this month's review of the Manchurian Candidate. Thanks again for joining us and listening to our little monthly podcast. If you've had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. You can follow us on Pinterest or Twitter at MH Memories. On either one of those social media outlets, you can keep yourself informed about our occasional written film reviews and film summaries, news on upcoming theatrical releases and trailers, and information on many upcoming podcasts on the MHN Podcast Network. Additionally, you can now subscribe to our account on YouTube, where we're releasing our podcasts exclusively. Uh, once there, if you subscribe to our account and ring or hit the notifications bell, you can get updates on when we post new material to our, our uh, channel. And you could also give us uh, feedback either by giving us a like or a dislike or leaving a comment in the comment section about either our views, our opinions about the Criterion Disc, or suggestions for films that you would like us to review here on Criterion Critics of those many films that are still out there on the Criterion schedule. Uh, of course, we always like the the feedback that is positive, but we enjoy we appreciate any feedback that we can get from any listeners of the show. Well, that does it for this episode of Criterion Critics. Join us next time when I believe Chris is going to be with me for sure, maybe Lori, uh, and we are going to review number 114 on the Criterion release schedule, 1936's My Man Godfrey. And we're going to take a break for a few months. Uh, we're kind of alternating schedules and the golden age of the silver screen. Chris's show is going to be returning back for a few months of episodes before we come back. But that will be one of the films that we're going to, that's the first film we're going to review when we come back for the next 
season of Criterion Critics. Until then, I'm Patrick. And I'm Lori. And we'll see you all next time at our house. podcast is not endorsed by the Criterion Collection and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Criterion Critics, Miami Nights' main theme, is provided courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomputech.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the MHN Podcast Network, Criterion Critics, and the Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment LLC, unless otherwise noted.